You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Red Sox podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Jake Devereaux, joined as usual by my co-host, Matt Collins. We're here to bring you the best Red Sox coverage on the internet Monday through Friday. We want to be part of your daily routine. So be sure to subscribe to us on Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. This is your October 15th edition of the podcast, and on today's show, we're going to be reviewing two players. We're going to be looking at the season that was for Brandon Workman, and then the second half of the show, we're going to be looking at the season for Brock Holt. But before that, we do that, make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. All right, Matt, did you have a good long weekend? Can't complain. Nice. Yeah. Happy. That's one of those things that everybody says. They don't know what else to say. <laughs> Happy uh, Indigenous Peoples Weekend to uh, everybody who enjoyed the long weekend um wasn't a long weekend well you work in the uh, beverage industry so i'm sure it was long in a different way no that's really different at all i always have mondays off well there you go um so we're going to start off tonight by talking about brandon workman who just had an unbelievable season for the red sox he's 31 years old now he's going to be pitching basically all of next season at 31 years old as well um, this season was remarkable for him. He ended up pitching 71 and two-thirds innings, uh, striking out over 13 per nine. Uh, the walks were still pretty high this year, uh, almost six per nine, 5.65. Uh, but the ERA was extremely low, 1.88, and uh, the FIP was 2.46. Struck out 104 batters, uh, just had absolutely electric stuff. Um, the entire season, he generated more ground balls than he ever has before at 51.1%. Um, you know, didn't allow, um, it, it seemed like very much, um, you know, to be hit very hard this year. Um, he just had a remarkable season. I'm about as fascinated with Brandon Workman moving forward as I am any player on the Red Sox roster. Uh, I have no idea what to make of Brandon Workman. He, I mean, there's no way he's going to have, like, you can, or the expectation can't be, like, the season that he had this year. I mean, this was, everything went right. He, he obviously induced a ton of weak contact. Uh, baseball's about had his barrel rate at 0.7%, which I don't have a tremendous amount of context for that number, but I know that, uh, or no, it's 7%. I can't. Yeah, it is 0. 0.7. 0.7%. I don't really know what exactly that means, but I know that that number is incredibly low. Um, and most pitchers are like 5-ish percent. Yeah, I mean, Mookie um, barreled 14% of th- pitches uh, his MVP season. Yeah, I mean, well, that's crazy too. But, um, but I mean, he's not going to have a 209 Babbitt. He's not going to have some 2 ERA. He's not going to allow... Uh, one home run all season. That's I mean that's the most incredible thing. He allowed one home run in seventy one two thirds innings in twenty nineteen. Um, I mean that's a lot of it's on him. There's a decent amount of luck there, um, but he also walked a ton. He was he had one of the highest walk rates in all of baseball this year. So I don't really know 
I don't really know what I think of him. Um, I do think, and I wrote about this earlier this year, that um, his fastball is maybe the most interesting pitch um, in, on the team and one of the most interesting pitches in baseball because in a vacuum, it's just not that good. It's a solid fastball. There's some movement on it, but I mean, it's a 93 mile an hour fastball in an era where, uh, late inning relievers need to throw harder than that, but mm-hmm. he just relies so heavily on his curveball that when you're sitting on that curveball, his fastball might as well be 98 miles an hour. And so the, I mean, his curveball was good this year, but his fastball was one of the best pitches in baseball. And I just wonder with an offseason to adjust, I don't really know. I don't feel super comfortable with him as the best reliever in the bullpen next year. Um, I think he had an incredible 2019, and I think we're probably going to look back at it as an outlier moving forward. Yeah. Um, I agree. I'm just trying to figure out, like, where, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of things to consider here, and I, I think that, People are going to have to get really good at picking up um, the pitch from his hand uh, right away, whether or not the pitch is going to be a fastball or a slider. And I don't think he's tremendously effective at tunneling those two pitches right now, um, which might make that a a little easier to do. But I do think that, like you said, keeping them off balance, and if they're not able to see what's coming, the velocity difference between you know 93 to 96 um, and 80 miles an hour for that curveball just eats people up. And then also, you throw in that little variation of the fastball that he throws in that little cut fastball that comes in at 87 uh, on average. That's just a, a whole lot of stuff to worry about at the same time. Yeah, and I mean, I think... I think you can get away with Brandon Workman being, I don't know, your third best reliever um, in a playoff bullpen. The rest of your team is good. I just, I mean, that I just can't get over that home run rate. It is just so unsustainable. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Um, I know, like I said, he did induce a ton of weak contact. But when you combine that walk rate and what feels like totally inevitable regression with that home run, I mean, if he allows home run rate at like 0.7 per nine instead of 0.1 per nine. I mean, his ERA is probably up what, three? 3.3, something like that. Yeah. Um, and because not a lot of those home runs are going to be solo, considering right. all those walks. And so it's just I don't want to sound like I'm trash brand work because again, he was incredible this season. I mean, by DRA he had a, he was uh, let me see, 42% better than league average by DRA. So, I mean, it's not like this was a total fluke or anything. It's just, it's really hard. Unless he brings that walk rate down, it's really hard to see him being, like, a legit top-level believer. Yeah, and the remarkable thing about this year for him, too, was that he was so consistent. Basically, from the beginning of the season all the way to the end, he really didn't have a bad month. I was waiting all year for him. To kind of fall off. Yeah. Um, I never totally bought in until, like, kind of the end of the year when I started looking at the fastball a little more. Because, I mean, I just didn't see how he could be affected with that fastball. But, I mean, it's pretty clear. Like you said, he's got those other pitches that kind of keep hitters off balance. But, 
yeah, I mean, like I said, he deserves all the credit in the world for the season. It's just going forward. I don't... I Like, I still... This is partially me being stubborn, probably. I still think that Barnes is a better reliever, or I have more faith in him, true talent-wise, moving forward. The Brandon Workman, so I don't even know that Brandon Workman's definitely the best reliever on the team. Um, but, I mean, I think the real takeaway here is that they just need somebody else from outside the organization. Yeah, I mean, I'm very interested to see how next year is going to go with him because the pitch mix that he's had has really been different almost every year that he's been in the big leagues. And in 2018, he started transitioning more to the pitcher that he is now, upping his curveball usage and lowering his four-seam fastball usage. But last year, he was at uh, almost 34% four-seam usage and 47% curveball usage, which was 10% higher than he'd ever been with the curveball in the past. So I wonder if next year, considering the success he has, if he's going to come back with that same mix of kind of like 34, 19, 47 um, between the curveball cutter and four seam or, you know, what he's going to do um, and how the league is going to react to that. Because I agree with you. There's no way he keeps those home run numbers. Well, I mean, I think it depends – I guess, yeah, I mean, it depends on the league. I guess I wouldn't, if I had to guess, I would probably say his cutter rate's gonna go up a little more and his curveball probably comes back down and he keeps the fastball around the same, but, uh, I mean, there's obviously no reason to change anything until it's proven that he can't really do this anymore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he was awesome in save opportunities this year, too. He seemed like, Whenever he came in, uh, when he did get that role, he was able to lock those down. He only had the role for, like, two months, and he racked up 16 saves. So if they choose to go into the year with him as the closer, I mean, he could end up with some pretty serious save totals. I wouldn't bet on it, but, yeah, I mean, he definitely could. All right, any closing thoughts on Workman before we take a quick break? Um, I think... I always forget how old he is. He just missed so much time in those, like, middle years of his career that he went from being, like, that young guy in 2013 to now he's going to be 32 um, towards the end of next season. And it just feels like we missed. I feel like I slept through <laughs> years of Brandon Workman's career. It's very strange. Well, an interesting fact about Workman, too, though, is that he was drafted and developed totally by the Red Sox, so... They can develop relievers. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been clear for a couple years now. I mean, Barnes was a guy developed by them. Darwin's Hernandez was developed by them. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we are going to uh, get into Brock Holt. We all love a night out, whether it's seeing the Red Sox at Fenway or checking out the Patriots at Gillette. With the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, you can attend the game of your choice and earn credit towards your next live event. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets to all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look up seats in the section or row of your choice all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty reward program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, where every purchase is backed up by a 100% buyer guarantee. For all the biggest concerts and games, to the hottest theater shows, and more, Vivid Seats has it all. 
Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. I actually just downloaded this app this weekend and used it. It is super easy to use and I put in the, uh, you know, the uh, information that they asked me to and they uh, immediately offered me 10% off on uh, my ticket purchase. So they are a great app for any games you want to see. Hey guys, let's talk about sex. Remember the days when you are always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance, get that extra confidence in bed, and you go to bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Bluetooth brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and CLs, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work twice as fast as a pill, so you can always be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Bluetooth is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in discreet package, so no in-person doctors visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Bluetooth prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. When you go to bluetooth.com, you get your first shipment free and use our special promo code MLB. You just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB, to try it free. Bluetooth is the better, cheaper, faster choice. Okay. Welcome back for the second half of the show. Um, let's talk about Brock Holt. Brock Holt, uh, this year, played... Time to get sad. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about the good stuff first. Um, you always talk about how versatile Brock Holt is. And this year alone, uh, you know, as a guy who's over 30, he still played games at first base, played a ton at second base, played at third base for a few games, played at shortstop for a few games, every position in the infield, played a few games in left field, um, and he, he he even played six games in right field this year. So he played pretty much everywhere except for center, catcher, and pitcher. Um, he's tremendously versatile. Batted two ninety seven this year. Had a really good season. Three sixty nine OBP. Doesn't slug a lot. I mean, it's kind of what Brockle is. One hundred four ISO. He's not going to hit the ball out of the park, but he had some clutch situations. Uh, I remember he drove in the uh, game-winning run for that um, 14-minute-long uh, <laughs> replay uh, at Fenway where I went and promptly ate four hot dogs and uh, oh. then left the ballpark immediately. Got the hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was awesome. Holt was completely jacked up about that. But more importantly, like, Brock Holt, over those 87 games he played this year, um, made a huge impact in the clubhouse and then in the community for the Red Sox as well. Um, means a lot to this team, but we're kind of unsure about what, you know, how how the team's going to value him, how the market's going to see Brock Holt. This, his free agency might be the most interesting one to me of anybody on the team. I think so too, and I think part of it is, um, I wonder, or I mean, I guess I don't it just makes sense that his versatility just isn't going to be valued quite as much because there's an extra roster spot next year. And I mean, I think it's obviously still valuable. It's still better than not to have a guy that can play all over the field. But when you have that 26th roster spot, it just doesn't it doesn't matter quite as much. You can hide a guy uh, more easily that can only play first or whatever. You can grab that extra lever anyways, even while having a standard size bench. Um, 
So I'm interested in seeing that too. But I mean, the fact is, Brock Holt has been good for basically his entire career. He had a couple of down years. He had one really bad year the year before that that was just okay at best, but he was also dealing with head injuries. <laughs> yeah. That is no small it's no small thing to deal with. I mean, we all know that um, head injuries are no joke. And so when he's been healthy, I mean, he's been tremendous. His last two years have been the best years of his career. Um, I just... I really hope that somebody pays him, whether it's the Red Sox or somebody else. I mean, this guy deserves... This guy deserves a good-sized paycheck. I mean, I'm, not, I'm obviously not talking about, like, a $100 million contract or anything. But, I mean, I think he should get multiple years. He should get a little security. Um, I just... As the... As we've gone further from the season, I've kind of been talking myself out of them keeping him. Um, not, not to say that I don't want them to. I just don't think they will, which kind of makes me sad. But I mean, I'm going to be a Brock Holt fan forever. I love watching the guy play. I love the style he plays. I love his personality. And like I said, I mean, I think he's gotten to the point where it's kind of he's just become underrated on the field because we focus so much on the other stuff where it's kind of easy to miss that this guy's just good at baseball too. Yeah, he is. He's a good player. Um, I think his versatility is the biggest thing, um, and you've mentioned that a lot. Um, but I think you make a really good point about the 26th man roster spot and how teams are going to use that. I assume that most teams are going to continue to want to use that versatility in the uh, bullpen. With carrying an eight-man bullpen, I kind of think that that's going to be the new go-to thing for a lot of teams. And I do think that teams will still value the fact that you can have him as part of a four-man bench, and that bench might play a little bigger than it actually is. Yeah, for sure, but I mean, I think it was, I mean, we saw the Red Sox had a three-man bench for most of the last season, um, and he was the biggest reason they could do that. Um, and I mean, I think he's also just been even more valuable to the Red Sox because for as good as their starting outfield has been for a long time now, or at least a few years now, they've had nothing way of depth in the outfield. Um, they don't. They haven't had anybody in AAA. I mean, it's Gorky's Hernandez all year. They've been healthy in the outfield, knock on wood. So it hasn't really come up much. But I mean, Brock Holt being there allowed them to just have that that very little depth. And obviously, JD Martinez is there too, but he doesn't really count as you know him playing outfield that much. So I mean, I don't know. I don't think a lot of teams would use him in the outfield all that much. He's frankly not that great out there anymore. But the fact that he can play out there if you need him. It's just been big for the Red Sox in a way that I think has been kind of hard to see. How much of a factor do you think his uh, age is going to be in his free agency? Because 31 is not that young for a guy it's who's considered... Age 32, too. Yeah, I mean, for for a guy who's you know considered such a versatile player, and it's sort of a young man's game bouncing around from position to position, do you think that that's going to give the Red Sox a little bit of a leg up for re-signing him? I don't think it's going to play that much of a factor, um, just because, I mean, I don't think he was looking at a long-term deal either way. Um, I mean, I think just for as good as I do think he is, um, he just doesn't play enough. Where, I mean, he's not looking at, like, a four-year deal. So, I mean, I think he was looking at two years max anyway, so I don't know. I mean, I guess the age comes into play a little bit there, but I don't think it's anything that's really going to hinder him too, too much. So... He made three and a half million in his last year of arbitration uh, this year for the Red Sox. What do you see him 
making over a two-year deal if the Red Sox resigned him. If the Red Sox resigned I mean, I don't know who's going to sign him, but I mean, I guess I haven't done any sort of comparison. This is just kind of gut, but off the top of my head, like 2-14. Wow. Okay. 2-14, and 14, so... That'd be a substantial amount of cash for the Red Sox to commit to a bench guy. I don't think he's a bench guy. I mean, he is, but I mean, I think he's a he plays more than a bench guy. He plays a bigger role than a bench guy. Like this isn't, I don't know. Like this isn't your backup catcher or whatever. Like guy, like yeah, but like at the end of the season, he's always right around what a very active bench player is in terms of plate appearances. He was at two ninety five this year. 367 in 2018, 164 in 2017. He's only Would he definitely year. be a bench guy anyways? Probably. I think he would be the second baseman. For the Red Sox? I don't. I mean, unless Chavis is there. But, I mean, I kind of have Chavis penciled in at first, at least to start the year. And I think Brock Holt's definitely better than Marco Hernandez. See, I think they're more likely to re- uh, to sign somebody from outside the organization to play second base. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, look, I, I actually, I mean, I think if they signed, they wouldn't. Um, but I mean, I just saying, like, looking at if they brought back Holt and just looking at the roster as it is now, I, I would think he would be, he would be the second baseman. And I, like I said, I don't think they would sign Holt and sign somebody else for second base. I think it's kind of one or the other. If if you see it that way, then I definitely don't think they're re-signing Holt. Because I don't think they'd they'd want him to be the starter at second base. I think the plan would be, and obviously plans go awry, um, but my guess would be that the plan would be for Holt to start the year as sort of the something close to an everyday second baseman, and then hopefully Bobby Dalbeck's ready at like around June, and then you have him and he can play first, and Chavis can go over to second more consistently, and hopefully Marco Hernandez plays better than he did uh, down the stretch this year, and he can take a bigger role. Um, I mean, I think the plan would still be for Holt to probably play like 110 games-ish. I would like I, that I plan. think that's kind of the sweet spot for him. Yeah. That would be good. Um, I still don't think it's going to happen. My gut tells me that he's going to be gone because of financial concerns, but I think that that would be a viable plan for the Red Sox, because I do believe in the Ability of Chavis and Dahlbeck to ultimately be everyday players, or at least get the chance to play that role. I think you would have to probably get some sort of insurance for first base in that scenario, though, because I mean, there's I there's a chance that Dahlbeck like takes a step back in AAA or whatever, and you you can't just like at that point you're stuck either playing Holt a lot more than you want to, or you're calling up Josh Ockney or something like that. So I mean, I think you would have to find a cheap first baseman that he can sign to like a one year deal in, in case of emergency but um, either way I mean I think you're either getting a cheap second baseman first baseman so you're saying you want Justin Smoke is he going to be that cheap because yeah uh, I I think he's going to make like a one year four million dollar deal next year uh, he was signed to a two year eight million dollar deal when he was much better and younger um, so I think he can be had for like a four million dollar contract the issue of assigning Justice Smoke would be that he wouldn't be able to face the Red Sox. So like 90% of his production comes. Well, the market for, sec- for, for first baseman is terrible. So if you're looking for a 
an actual market to choose players from, you're probably. I would take Justin Smoke on a one four. On a what? On a one four. Oh yeah, that's. That, I mean, that'd be a good gamble. I would, I'd basically take any. I wouldn't be upset at any one four deal. I mean. There's definitely I can find you one that you'd be upset about at one. Point. Unless it's like a player I hate. But, I mean, you could four million dollars. Gary Sanchez one four. I don't really hate Gary Sanchez. Though. Oh yeah, that's Brian who hates Gary Sanchez. Um, any race player one four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, get out of here, Kevin Kiermaier. Watch you and your beautiful eyes. <laughs> All right, so ultimately, let's wrap up this pod, though. Um, do you think Brock Holt's back with the team, yes or no? No, but I'm like 55-45. I'm going to say no. I'm a little more confident in my no. I'm going to say 70-30 no. But... I thought it was going to be sad. Yeah, I guess it did end up, it did end up sad. Um, that's our show. We do hope you enjoyed the show. Um, you can go on, follow us on Twitter, follow the Locked On Red Sox account at LO underscore Red Sox. You can follow Matt at Matt RY Collins. You can follow me at Atev Jake. And uh, tell other Red Sox fans to check out our show. And tell baseball fans and do this yourself. Check out Locked On MLB for a recap of all the playoff action um, because the playoffs have been really good. So thanks so much. We'll be with you tomorrow.